don't know if you turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 14. If you have your Proverbs journal, that will be page 61. Uh, we'll pick up about halfway through Proverbs 14. And it's so good to see all of you today. I have um, uh, today's sermon is entitled Mad About Anger. I'm going to talk about anger today, something that I'm particularly good at. And um, uh, not really. Actually, I'm pretty bad at it. But I, I did want to let you know that I have asked the deacons to turn the air off. So don't get mad at the deacons. Uh, get mad at me. Um, and the reason why I asked them to do that is because I want you to hear every single word I have to say today. Uh, I'm talking about a controversial topic. And you're probably going to hear some things that maybe you haven't ever heard before in regards to anger. And I want to make sure that you hear every single word. So I'm going to preach hard. And I'm going to preach fast. And if you see me take the coat off, that doesn't mean you should have any hope. That just means I got really hot up here. And, and I'll get done when I get done, as the Lord wills. I was uh, uh, in, in a previous... A part of my life many years ago, I was elected to the Murfreesboro City Council. And I served eight years in that capacity. And during that time, I, I heard a lot of different issues. And I heard a lot of debate. And I saw a lot of anger. And I cast a lot of votes. At one point in time, I, I calculated it. And it was well over a thousand votes every year. And i I got to tell you, um, some of those votes were, were very difficult. Uh, this was back when Ken Hochstetler and I were working together on a regular basis. And, and I came in one Friday, and he said, hey, I saw you on TV last night. And I said, yeah, that was a long one, wasn't it? And he said, oh, no, that's not what I was talking about. I was talking about, he said, I was... I saw how your, your brow was so furrowed and you were obviously having a hard time with that vote. And do you remember this? Yeah, I do too. Uh, <laughs> but that was, that was typical because there were so many votes that I, I wanted to do the right thing. And I know Rodney can relate to this too. He was on the city council uh, down in Florida. Uh, and you may be thinking, hey, what's, what's the big deal, Kevin? You're a Christian. Just do the right thing. You devote, you've devoted your life to Christ. You're trying to obey him. Just pick the right option, the righteous option, the clearly right option versus the obviously wrong option. And you know, I will say this. In my eight years on the city council, I did have some of those votes where it was obvious I knew uh, how the Lord wanted me to vote. I'm not saying it was easy because in those clearly defined ones, the heat was there and uh, the enemy was active. But I also have to tell you that those were few and far between. Most of the votes I, I cast, I didn't have a clear command in the scriptures on how to vote on a particular rezoning. The, the vast majority of the votes that I Cast were not so clearly understood. In other words, uh, I realized I, I needed wisdom. 
I needed understanding. I needed discernment. And the quest for wisdom should drive us to the book of Proverbs. How are we supposed to live our lives? How do we make wise decisions? How are we supposed to interact with each other on a daily basis? How are we supposed to interact with God? Well, you know, Proverbs has the answers to these questions and many more. And and there are just so many fascinating topics. And I hope that you're following through in Proverbs and you're reading one chapter in Proverbs every day. The day to correspond. So today is the 18th of August. I hope that you'll read Proverbs 18 today with me. And you will find that Proverbs is a virtual smorgasbord of topics like faithfulness, poverty, wealth, the poor, the fool, the wise man, money, sowing and reaping, neighbors, and anger. And today's message is specifically on anger. And uh, I want to tell you, it's, it's something that I'm, I really am not very good at. Um, so let's pray and ask the Lord to bless this time. Father, uh, you are so kind to us. Your anger lasts but for a moment, but your love and your favor is for a lifetime. And we're so thankful for that. Now, Lord, as we break open your word and, and present your word to this body, I pray, Lord, that you would guide all the words that I have to say, that they would be seasoned with grace and humility, and that everything that you lead me to say will be received in that same way, and that at the end of it, we'll be able to say it's been done as the Lord commanded, and we did everything in accordance with your will. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now, people who know me well will tell you that I really don't get angry very often. But when I do get angry, beware. So in regards to this matter of anger, here's a disclaimer, and it's a genuine, authentic disclaimer. Although I hope someday to be a great role model in regards to this anger aspect of our lives, I can tell you right now I'm, I'm really not. Um, I have failed so many times. Um, And some of you in the congregation may be nodding your head in agreement. There are people uh, in this congregation who have been a part of my family for almost 30 years. There are people in this congregation who have worked with me day after day after day, upwards of 10 years and more. They know me. And they know that when I say I have not always been a good role model when it comes to anger, that's not false modesty talking. That's the truth. And so I apologize for when I failed you. On the other hand, we have to talk about anger. Why? Well, in the first place, there are an awful lot of passages in the Bible that deal with anger. And we are committed here at Blackman Baptist Church to preach the entire Bible, the whole counsel of God. We're not going to skip over the parts that we're not necessarily good at. And that's the second reason. Number one, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible a lot. Number two, we can't skip over things just because we're not good at it or we're sinners. Because if we did that, the available list of topics would be very small and uh, would probably change that next week. 
But I want you to look at what the Bible has to say about anger. And I think there will be some things that may surprise you. And I'll also say this. This is not an exhaustive list of anger principles in Proverbs or in the Bible. There's more. Um, But because the air's off, I had to shorten the sermon a little bit uh, for your sake. But uh, I do have five key principles about anger that uh, I want you to follow with me. And let's start in Proverbs 14. We'll be looking at verses 16 and 17, and then we'll zip down to verse 29. And I think when I read these Proverbs to you, I want you to look, I want you to listen and find what's the one thing in common in all three of these passages. Listen carefully. Proverbs 14, 16. A wise person is cautious and turns from evil. But a fool is easily angered and is careless. The next verse, verse 17. A quick-tempered person acts foolishly, and one who schemes is hated. And now down to verse 29. A patient person shows great understanding, but a quick-tempered one promotes foolishness. So did you, did you catch anything that's in common there? about all three of those Proverbs? Well, the word fool or foolish, that's in there, all three. A wise person is cautious and turns from evil, but a fool is easily angered and is careless. A fool is easily angered. Verse 17, a quick-tempered person acts foolishly. There it is again, foolish. Verse 29, a patient person shows great understanding, but a quick-tempered one promotes foolishness. And here's our first anger principle. Be slow to anger. Be slow to anger. I want you to compare quick and easy anger versus patience versus great understanding. You know, there's a reason why your parents told you to count to 10 before you respond when you're in a difficult situation. That counting to 10 is to help you enjoy this biblical principle, this first biblical principle about anger. Be slow to anger. If you're counting to 10, you gotta, you've hit the pause button. You've got to hit that pause button and then respond in an appropriate way. So that's anger principle number one. Be slow to anger. Second principle, anger principle number two, say woe to anger. And if you look at chapter 15, the next chapter, verse 1, the Proverbs there says, A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. I love this passage. You've seen TV shows or movies where the hero is presented with a problem, and the problem is in form of a ticking time bomb. Or if you watch 24, it's a digital display and it's going cheek, cheek, cheek. And, there's, and you know that you have approximately two minutes or so before the bomb goes off. So I want you to think, the next time that someone confronts you in anger, the next time that happens, I want you to think that, you know, basically they have handed you a ticking time bomb. And now it's your turn to respond. If you respond gently with kindness, it's sort of like you're a bomb expert. You're skilled in carrying hands 
are working quietly and swiftly to defuse that explosive situation. But on the other hand, if you respond with a harsh answer, if you get angry back, if your volume matches their volume, and if you respond in kind, you're no bomb expert. You're like the guy who just says, oh, well, we only got two minutes to live. We might as well get it over with. Let's just start ripping wires off. And, and you know what's going to happen then? You know what's going to happen next, right? Yeah. There's going to be an explosion. But a person who responds to anger with a gentle answer is like a bomb expert. And a person who responds to anger harshly is just ripping wires off and there's going to be an explosion. A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. Now I'm going to give you a a story that happened to me. This is one of the few times where I actually responded correctly and I could probably give you nine or ten times where I did not respond correctly, but I'll tell you this story. Um, Rhonda and I were on the way back from a marriage retreat in North Carolina. We had a great time. We were in the Lumina van, the white van, the spaceship from tomorrow. Uh, Loved that van. And we had uh, two other couples with us and we were driving through the hills of North Carolina. We're on I-40, winding beautiful roads. And it had been a great retreat. We had learned a lot. And we were all talking. And uh, all of a sudden in my rear view mirror, I kind of see a cloud of dust. And one of the guys in the car with me said, don't look now, Kevin, but I think you just about ran a guy off the road. Now, running a guy off the road in some places is not a big deal, but when you run a guy off the road on I-40 and you're coming through the, the mountains, that, that could be fatal. And uh, I, I looked, and I, I couldn't see anything. I saw the dust. I couldn't see anything, but I thought, oh, no, what have I done? And... Then about a minute later, the same guy says, well, don't look now, but he's back on the road and he's coming after us. And he was in a BMW. He didn't have any trouble catching us. Uh, although that van was, was really super cool. Uh, and so he, he pulls up alongside me and, and he's gesturing wildly, pull over, pull over. And so I pulled over. Uh, I was really glad that I had two other good-sized guys in the van with me. And so I pulled over, and I got out of the van, and they, they got out of the van, too, which I really appreciated. And, and he got out, and he came up, and he was enraged, rightly so. And he said, you almost killed us. You ran us off the road. And I just, I reached out, and I touched his elbow, and I said, I am so sorry. I did not see you. And I'm sorry that I changed lanes without a blinker. Please forgive me. And he said, oh, okay, that's okay. (laughs) And I have replayed that episode over and over in my mind because I learned something. I learned that you should always use your blinker when you're going to change lanes. (laughs) I learned that you should always check your rearview mirror. But you know what I really learned? I really learned that a gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. What do you think would have happened if I had responded in kind? Now, he was rightfully mad. I had no right to respond to him. But I think we all wanted the same thing, right? We all wanted to live through the experience. 
And a gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. And I will tell you, there have been many, many times when I did not respond properly. It's one of the few where I actually did it. Principle number one, be slow to anger. Principle number two, say woe. Say woe to anger. Let's look at another principle. Uh, oh, by the way, while we're in Proverbs 15, look at this. Look at verse 18. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but one slow to anger calms strife. You want to diffuse that ticking time bomb that's just been handed to you? Be slow to anger. Calm the strife. Don't stir up the conflict. All right, let's look at a third principle. Third principle, Proverbs 19, verse 3, just a few pages over. The third principle is just say no to some anger. First principle, be slow to anger. Second principle, say woe to anger. Third principle, just say no to some anger. Proverbs 19.3 says, A person's own foolishness leads him astray, yet his heart rages against the Lord. We need to talk a little bit now about misplaced anger. In times past, in the days of kings and queens, we didn't have social media, we didn't have communications, instant communications like we do now. So kings relied on messengers or couriers. And and here's a a little known fact. No one wanted to be the the messenger who gave the king bad news. No one wanted to arrive at at the throne, the foot of the throne and say, hey, king, our troops were defeated in battle. No one wanted to be the messenger who brought the news of, oh, and by the way, king, your son died in battle. Now, the messenger was not responsible for the message, but he was rightly worried about misplaced anger. Even though he and everybody else knew that it wasn't the messenger's fault, the messenger was worried that the king would act on him in rage or wrath. That wrath or anger would have been misplaced, but if you're the one about to be killed, it's real. And you know, it's interesting because if you look at all the passages in Proverbs that talk about anger and fury and wrath, so many of them are associated with the king. Proverbs talks about the king's fury. Proverbs mentions the king's rage, the king's terrible wrath. And now you need to remember who wrote most of the Proverbs, right? Somebody who would know. His name was King Solomon. Raised by a king. Was a king. Father of a king to be. Misplaced anger is when we get mad at the wrong person or the wrong thing. Or maybe we even get mad at God. Proverbs 19.3 teaches us that we should just say no to some anger. A person's own foolishness leads him astray, yet his heart rages against the Lord. There used to be a comedian when I was growing up, Flip Wilson. He was so funny. And he had this stick where he would get caught in some sin, and then everybody would wait for it, and he'd get real quiet, and he'd get this look on his face, and he'd say, The devil made me do it. (laughs) And he'd say it just like that. And it was, of course, hilarious because back then it was kind of in vogue to blame the devil for stuff. Nobody does that anymore because people don't believe in the devil. But people today now 
culturally, it's fine to blame God. It goes a little bit like this. I can't help it. That's the way I'm made. And there are many people in the congregation who are finely tuned to the music industry. And so you may be thinking right now of this example of misplaced anger where songwriters, musicians have misplaced anger towards God. So when you hear the words, I can't help it, this is the way I'm made, that person is mad at God and blaming God. A person's own foolishness leads them astray, yet his heart rages against the Lord. It's a sin to rage against the Lord. Some anger is just wrong. And so we need to say no to the wrong anger. It certainly can be sin. But but you may be saying, Brother Kevin, wait, did you say that some anger is wrong? Isn't all anger sinful? Well, no, that's not quite right. And that leads us to anger principle number four, which is some anger is good to go. There is such a thing as righteous anger. I want you to look in Psalm 110. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 110. Put your Proverbs journal aside for a moment. And we'll look at Psalm 110. This is an incredible passage written by David, quoted by Jesus. The primary understanding of this psalm is to help us understand the divinity of Christ, that great mystery. But there are other revelations in this passage about the very nature of God. What is God like? How does he operate? Psalm 110. It's a short psalm. We'll read it. Verse 1, this is the declaration of the Lord to my Lord. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. Rule over your surrounding enemies. Your people will volunteer in the day of battle. In holy splendor from the womb of the dawn, the dew of your youth belongs to you. The Lord has sworn an oath and he will not take it back. You are a priest forever according to the pattern of Melchizedek. Here we go. Verse 5. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his anger. He will judge the nations, heaping up corpses. He will crush leaders over the entire world. And if you're looking for passages on the Lord's anger, the Bible is full of them. The Lord's anger, the day of his wrath, the day of the wrath of the Lord. Here are just a few from the Psalms. Psalm 78, 38. Talking about God, yet he was compassionate. He atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He often turned his anger aside and did not unleash all his wrath. Did you know that God gets angry? More often than not, he turns his anger aside and does not unleash all his wrath. Psalm 76, 6 and 7. At your rebuke, God of Jacob, both chariot and horse lay still. And you, you are to be feared. When you are angry, who can stand before you? God gets angry. And when he gets angry, no one can stand before him. Psalm 145, 8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great in faithful love. Psalm 30, verse 5, for his anger, I love this one, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor, a lifetime. But you may say, Brother Kevin, well, Of course the Lord can be angry. He's God. There's no shadow of sin in him. But we're flawed, sinful human beings. There's no way that we can be angry without sinning. And to support your argument, you could point to many 
examples of anger in the Bible where anger is truly part and parcel of the sin. Cain was angry with Abel, and then he murdered him. Classic case of misplaced anger. He was really mad at God, but he took it out on his brother anger, uh, his brother Abel. And that anger led to murder. Moses was angry with the children of Israel. And so he struck the rock in anger, contrary to the command of the Lord. And because of that, he did not get to go into the promised land. His anger hurt him. David was angry with Naboth. And he was on his way to kill him when he was intercepted by the righteous and wise Abigail. And this story ended well because Abigail spoke a gentle word to him, turned his wrath away, and David decided not to go on his mission of murder. But there are other examples in the Bible where anger is both justified and appropriate. Samuel was rightly angry with King Saul when King Saul transgressed the word of the Lord. David was rightly angry with the Amalekite who claimed to have killed King Saul. Nehemiah was rightly very angry when he saw his country people mistreating his fellow countrymen when they were rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. Into the New Testament, the Apostle Paul was rightly angry when he saw the idolatry of the Athenians. And yet again, Paul was angry with Peter. When he saw that Peter was not treating Gentile Christians the same as Jewish Christians. And there are passages in both the Old and New Testament that show us that some anger is not only justified but righteous. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Note that this passage did not say and not be angry at all. No, slow to anger. Now we need to be slow to anger. We need to say woe to anger. We need to understand that most anger is not good. But there are times when anger is both appropriate and required. Check out what Paul says in Ephesians. Be angry and do not sin. That's a command. Be angry and do not sin. So if you're going to be angry, you better know what you're supposed to be angry about. And you better make sure that you don't sin. It's so interesting that he he hangs that and do not sin right after that be not angry. I mean, he puts them right there together for us because we need them. Because our tendency is to sin when we get angry. And then the next part of that verse is don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And that transitions us to the last principle that we're going to talk about today. Anger principle five, don't let your anger keep on going. It's the sunset rule. Anger savored over time, that bitterness will hurt you. I saw, I got angry a few times the last couple of weeks. We were in Alaska, unbelievable beauty. Alaska is big, very big. Uh, I asked my family uh, to guess how many unnamed lakes are there in Alaska? How many? And, and I heard guests all the way from 3,000, I think the high was 10,000. There are 3 million unnamed lakes in Alaska. 3 million. I was uh, at the edge of a beaver made lake uh, last Tuesday on a little photo excursion, and it was 
placid and beautiful. And you could see the beaver dam that the beavers had made. You could see where the lodge was. And so we were at that lake. And I said, Lord, we've been here for about 30 minutes. And I haven't seen a beaver. I sure would like to see a beaver. Would you humor me? Would you answer this prayer? And about two minutes later, a beaver popped up. Started patrolling the area. I've got video. I can prove it. And one of the photographers who was with me said, aren't we lucky? This is awesome. No, we're not lucky. We didn't win the divine beaver lottery and just happened to be there at the right time. No, we were, we were there when God decided to answer a prayer. We had incredible weather, day after day after day of sunshine. If you've ever been to Alaska, Alaska is not known for sunshine. But we had seven straight days of sunshine. No rain, which makes taking pictures a lot easier, which I love to take pictures. And how many times when talking to fellow people who are on the trip, wow, the weather has been so good, aren't we lucky? No. No, we're not lucky. We're blessed. We're on a trip going through Denali, and we see grizzly bears and moose and caribou. And, and our tour guide, who was very nice, was quick to give Mother Nature credit for everything awesome and told us we didn't need to worry about certain things because the rocks and the rills and the trees and the plants, don't worry, they'll get it all sorted out. No, no, these things make me mad. Now here's the thing, it shouldn't be a misplaced anger. I shouldn't be mad at the tour guide. I shouldn't be mad at my fellow photographer. I should be mad at the deception that's there because this is my father's world. I rest me in that thought and I know that he created all of this and that he arranged for that beaver to pop up when it did. I know that. It's not luck. It's not random chance. But I have righteous anger when I hear people talk about how this all just happened. Be slow to anger. Say woe to anger. Say no to most anger. But some anger is good to go but when you are angry and when you're not going to sin, cut it off. Don't let your sun go down on your wrath.